every meal you're getting some type of fiber and some type of phytonutrient in and you know data has shown that the higher amount of fiber you eat the decreased incidence of obesity metabolic syndrome and also decreased incidence of c-reactive protein um, which is a marker of inflammation Hello and welcome to the Plant Prescription Podcast. This podcast is all about helping you live a longer, happier, and healthier life. We will be featuring conversations with great minds to inspire you to reach your ultimate potential. My name is Musamil Ahmed. I'm a medical student with a master's in psychology, certification in nutrition, and a bachelor's in business. And my name is Cass Warbeck. I'm a medical student with a bachelor of science in health and fitness physiology, and I'm also a plant-fueled Muay Thai fighter. We are both plant-based lifestyle advocates who are passionate about spreading positivity, optimizing health, and promoting sustainability. Hey, everybody. All right, we have an exciting episode today since we're talking about rheumatic diseases, something that isn't often linked with diet and lifestyle. These are diseases like osteoarthritis, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, gout, fibromyalgia, and other inflammatory autoimmune conditions. Joining us is Dr. Micah Yu, an integrative rheumatologist who incorporates complementary medicine with traditional rheumatology. Dr. Yu is board certified in internal medicine and lifestyle medicine and holds a master's in healthcare administration and biomedical sciences. He just completed his rheumatology fellowship at Loma Linda University and is currently taking further courses in functional medicine. Mike has a very interesting background story since he was actually diagnosed with three rheumatic diseases himself, pseudogout, gout, and spondyloarthritis. This experience really allows him to connect with his patients and he strives to spend traditional with alternative medicine to give the best treatment plans for his patients. He works with his patients to come up with a treatment plan that not only fights the disease but also is aligned with his patients' goals. He has published multiple scientific papers, presented at national conferences and webinars, and has been featured in magazine articles. Evidently, he is quite an expert in this field, and we hope you learn lots from this episode. Please share this with anyone in your life who is affected by a rheumatic disease. Hello, Dr. Yu. Welcome to the podcast. We're so happy to have you here. First off, we would both like to congratulate you on recently completing your rheumatology fellowship this June. What was that entire experience like for you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's an honor, and um, you guys are doing amazing work, so congratulations. Um, the rheumatology fellowship, you know, was, um, it was hard, but it's compared to cardiology and gastroenterology and surgery, these, this fellowship, um, we don't put in like 80 hours a week. Uh, we do about, at least in my fellowship, uh, we never went really over 40 or 50 hours a week. Um, but it was very, um, I would say, uh, cognitively challenging, um, as you know, rheumatology, is a field that is has a lot of lot of nebulous symptoms, a lot of challenging diagnoses. Uh, we deal with lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis, vasculitis, sarcoid, um, and many other um, immunologic uh, diseases. Um, we mainly treat autoimmune diseases and arthritis. That's what our focus is. So, um, yeah, it was. It was really um, a relief to finish the program. Um, the program that was at Loma Linda University um, is probably one of the most clinically challenging programs. Um, I go to clinic in the morning, um, and then in the afternoon, if I'm on consults, then I go into the hospital and see patients that are flaring from dermatomyositis um, or lupus or patients that have really odd symptoms that other doctors can't figure out, then they'll consult um, rheumatology to help figure out the situation. That's so cool. Um, I, I find rheumatology super interesting. Before we get into actual rheumatological diseases, I want to hear why you became plant-based and how your health changed once you became plant-based. Yes. So, um, the, so if I were to talk about why one plant-based, we have to go all the way back to my high school. Um, so I was diagnosed with gout back in high school. I was a football player. Um, I went on a high protein Atkins diet. I was eating about 200 grams of protein, uh, a day, um, steaks, milk, protein shakes, whatever I can get my hands on. Um, and then that really, uh, over a course of maybe five months, uh, really took a toll on my body, and um, I ended up with a gout flare overnight, the classic Podagra symptom, um, with a big toe pain overnight uh, when I was 17 years old. And then I was diagnosed with gout. My uric acid was about 13, 
at that time, very, very high. Um, and then the reason why I went on this diet was to lose weight, which I did. I lost about 25 pounds and, but, and I got strong at the same time, but uh, at the cost of my joints. So um, over time, um, I, my joint pain really transformed into something else. Um, I didn't really watch my diet still. Um, I mean, I would less protein. I wouldn't still go on the high protein diet, but um, I wasn't cutting out processed food or anything else. I would um, party up in college as well. And um, so over time, my joint pains actually started going to different places that, I, that wasn't really um, classic for gout, went to my um, TMJs, went to my um, wrists, my fingers, um, and my tendons as well. Uh, so I went to different rheumatologists um, out in Chicago where I did med school, um, and they couldn't really figure me out. My ESR, CRP, which are your inflammatory markers, um, were elevated. All my um, rheumatologic labs were all negative, um, except for the inflammation numbers. So uh, when I went to Loma University, they finally um, were able to diagnose me with uh, gout, pseudogout, and with um, spondylarthritis. Um, yeah, so they put, uh, they put a needle on my joint, on uh, my ankle, they drew fluid out, they found pseudogout crystals, and um, they actually put an ultrasound to my um, tendons, and they found inflammation there as well. So that's how all three diagnoses came about. Uh, so during the last year of my uh, residency, um, you just interviewed uh, Dr. Mandala, who is my wife. She introduced me to um, plant-based nutrition. Um, it took me a while to buy it in, but I watched Forks Over Knives. So I figured I'd give it a shot after watching the documentary, and in three or four months, um, my joint pain pretty much went away. Did you and expect that going into it? Like, did were, no? Did you, okay. Yeah, I was pretty skeptical. That was a good surprise. Yeah, it was a good surprise because you know, in medical school, we don't really learn about nutrition and all that. Um, and my CRP actually went negative after being positive for ten years. Uh, my ESR was still positive, but it was uh, half of what it was before. So just for listeners who may not know what CRP and ESR are, could you just briefly explain? Yeah. So uh, C-reactive protein and uh, uh, I think something E, what was it? Uh, e stands for something I don't remember, but sedimentation rate are basically um, markers of inflammation um, that we uh, use in um, just in general in medicine to determine how much inflammation is going in the body. But just because your um, ESR and CRP are negative does not mean that you do not have inflammation in the body. Um, but those are general markers that we use that are quick and easily accessible. Um, so before you tried the plant-based diet and changed your, um, I guess, kind of your lifestyle a little bit here, were you taking quite a few medications to manage these conditions? Yeah, so I, I went on my um, gout medication for over 10 plus years or, yeah, 10 plus years. I was first on allopurinol and I switched to febuxostat, uh, which is a newer version of allopurinol, I would say. And they both help control uric acid levels. Um, my uric acid level was um, very well controlled on these medications and had no side effects. Um, and then I was offered uh, methotrexate and plaquenil and once I was diagnosed with spondyloarthritis but I refuse those medications um, simply because I noticed that diet sort of played a role and I didn't want to risk getting side effects. And I, my flares, I mean, they were hurt a lot. Um, they were getting worse, but at the same time, I want to give myself a chance. Um, and I was, since I'm a doctor, I'm able to sort of monitor myself as well, work with my rheumatologist closely um, as a resident and a med student. So I told myself once I get x-ray changes, I'll probably go on medication, but I never had x-ray changes. So um, plant-based nutrition helped me, but I do want to say that, um, so it's, so I was probably in remission, I would say over six to eight months. And then, so I sometimes now that I went off, um, I went on plant-based nutrition, I sort of went a little bit more lax on my diet. So sometimes when I eat some processed food and stuff, um, or too much salt, we can go over more into nutrition in a bit, but sometimes when I eat the wrong foods, my pain does come back. Um, so I, I so everyone that, if just because you have rheumatologic conditions and you go on plant-based nutrition um, doesn't mean that you'll be completely remission if you go off on diet a little bit. Right. That makes complete sense. So let's just take a step back. And for people who don't know what rheumatology is, let's just talk about what that entails and what are the common diseases that, um, that are part of rheumatology field. Yeah, so rheumatology um, 
is a field that treats um, diseases of the bone, joints, and tendons specifically. Uh, we deal with arthritis, all forms of arthritis, and we deal with many forms of autoimmune diseases. Um, there's other autoimmune diseases in other fields, um, but we treat most of them. Um, so going into some, they're all called rheumatic diseases. So starting off with uh, non-rheumatologic, you can talk about osteoarthritis, which usually occurs more in the elderly. Um, gout, uh, which what I have is um, a uric acid problem and that attacks the joints. So that's not autoimmune. Um, then you can go on autoimmune, which is your myositis. So that attacks the uh, autoimmune disease that attacks the muscles. Um, lupus is an autoimmune disease as well. Um, rheumatoid arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis is another autoimmune disease that attacks the um, lower back, and I have a variation of that. And I would say another form of autoimmune disease is sarcoidosis, uh, vasculitis. So all of these different autoimmune diseases um, attack pretty much every organ of the body, potentially. And so we really have to know our internal medicine very well, um, because we have to know all the organs that can affect Absolutely. So what are the typical, or just talking from your experience as well, because you've gone through this, what were the really painful symptoms that you experienced and, and symptoms that patients come with um, that they experience that require medications or treatment? Yeah, so um, some of the uh, rheumatology problems that can be very, very painful. I mean, all of them can be potentially very painful and very debilitating. I've seen um, patients die from lupus, from rheumatoid arthritis, from vasculitis and myositis. So, um, so take for example, rheumatoid arthritis, very, very classic um, disease that pretty much everyone knows about um, that affects many um, people in our population. Oh, sorry, let me turn down. Let me close the window. I, okay. I can hear yep, the of course. All right. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, so um, a debilitating condition. Um, so rheumatoid arthritis uh, can be very debilitating. People think it classically attacks the joints, which it does. Um, but it also attacks the eyes, the lungs, um, and different organs as well, and the heart also. And I've seen patients die um, just from lung disease, from rheumatoid arthritis with no joint, um, joint symptoms at all. And another classic disease is um, lupus. I've seen patients die from lupus. And, um, you know, most of our diseases, patients die from heart disease. Heart disease is number one killer um, because of the systemic inflammation from these diseases. Also, lung disease, um, patients die from lung disease from these um, rheumatology disease as well. Um, and we have to give very, very powerful um, immunologic medications um, that block the different cytokines in the body. Um, and different uh, immunologic um, pathways as well. And for those of you that don't know what cytokines are, they're basically signals in our body um, that cells communicate with each other and they can be inflammatory, they can be anti-inflammatory. And in, in our case, there are most of our, uh, in our disease, the cytokines are inflammatory. So our medications block these inflammatory cytokines. Wow. I, I actually once had a personal training client. She had rheumatoid arthritis, like this was years ago, and my heart just went out to her because every day it'd be different. Some days she'd have flare-ups, some days her joints were just like so painful, and I just like, I can only imagine it'd be one of the most difficult and painful diseases to have to deal with on a day-to-day day-to-day experience. Right. Um, yeah. Can you speak to maybe what the cause of these diseases is? Like, do we know if it's mostly genetics, if it's lifestyle, or if, it, or if it's a combination? Yeah, so um, what we do know, we don't know a lot in rheumatology. I feel like we're at the infancy of our research. But what we do know is that all of our diseases are part genetics and part um, environment. And when you talk about environment, um, some, I, I would say nutrition, when we study in rheumatology, isn't um, classically known to be a cause. Um, but research is coming out more and more that it is. Um, but there's other things in the environment as um, well that we can talk about. Um, I mean, there's something called epigenetics. So the environment, um, the air, 
and what you eat can change the gene expressions. And I think more research is coming out in that field as well. Um, but I would say half of it is probably genetics and the other half is environment. So what we do know, like in smoking, so let me give you a breakdown of this. So there's something called um, citrulline proteins, um, anti-citrulline proteins, which are antibodies that are developed in our body. Um, that is a marker of rheumatoid arthritis. I don't know if you've learned this in medical school yet, mm -hmm. anti-CCP. Have you learned this in med school yet for rheumatoid arthritis? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so if you haven't, you'll learn about it. Um, so citrulline proteins are um, proteins that... You, um, they, you take the, I think the arginine end of it, the amino acid, you flip it into citrulline, okay? And that happens, can happen normally. But in rheumatoid arthritis patients, um, that gets hyper, um, that gets, that gets um, switched into an excess. So for people, patients that smoke, um, it actually affects the oral microbiome and it can change the arginine and develop basically anti-CCP antibodies at a much higher rate um, than normal people do. And that can drive um, rheumatoid arthritis. So that's what we found in smokers. So I tell all my patients, you can't be smoking um, because you're, even if I give you my medications, you can still maybe never go into remission or you may not improve because you're smoking all the time. And even past smokers have problems with this as well. Um, so we're learning about that oral microbiome plays a huge role. Um, I mean, other things in the environment. So nutrition, we can maybe talk about that in a bit. Um, but other things um, that can play a role and from the environment, if we're not just talking about rheumatoid arthritis, we're talking about other diseases such as scleroderma, which is thickening of the skin. Um, this is a very, very debilitating autoimmune disease. Uh, that I feel very uh, sad about for my patients. Um, they basically, some of these patients can't open their mouth that wide. They have trouble um, um, opening their hands or they have calcium coming out of their joints as well. Um, so we know that certain things in the environment can cause it, such as, um, I believe, I don't have it on top of my head, some solvents, um, some um, really, really toxic things, um, like from like, I think really bad um, for the oil industry as well. Um, so that can cause it. Um, other things for lupus um, and dermatomyositis, I mean, we're, all these um, are, information just coming out um there's some i don't have it off the top of my head but there's some of these um, environments triggers that can be that are conclusive others most of these are not so they're just coming out as right now um so that's pretty much it if, but we're, we're going to talk about like toxins such as bpa and all these different um other factors those have not been conclusive those are just um i've looked into it they're basic science studies um that have looked at the how it plays into our immune system, but they have been not been implicated in any of the rheumatologic diseases yet. But I would say in a decade or two, maybe um, we can start saying that they do contribute to it, but right now, right now. So I think this is actually a good time to get into nutrition. What, so for someone listening to this who might have rheumatoid arthritis or gout, or they know someone who has it, they might be curious like, okay, so, why plant-based nutrition is good like how does nutrition right. even cause this and why changing my diet may help and what should i change then if it's going to help me? right right so as far as diet goes um so plant-based nutrition is just one of the diets that patients have done very well on um other diets out there are autoimmune protocol diet which is basically a paleo diet and some of my patients this is very very popular in the autoimmune field and um Patients have gone into remission or improve on the um, autoimmune protocol diet as well. But the reason why plant-based nutrition is so powerful is because it contains something called fiber. Okay, so plants, um, we're, we're focused on fiber in this diet. So um, your fruits, vegetables, um, and your whole grains have something called fiber. Fiber is a nutrient in our body. Um, and the reason why fiber is so important is because it plays a role in the gut microbiome. Um, so what we do know is that there's something called gut dysbiosis in a lot of our rheumatologic diseases, which is basically an imbalance of your gut microbiome. And when you have this imbalance, you are causing um, something called a leaky gut, which is uh, also known as increased intestinal permeability. 
So just break it down to basic science here. So you have your gut lumen, and next to that, you have your immune system, 60% of your immune system. And dividing that is one cell line. So, so something called tight junctions that hold each cell together in the leaky gut. Each tight junction opens up a little bit. And basically, uh, small food particles, um, bad bacteria can flow through, and other things you don't want to flow through will flow through and interact with your immune system, um, potentially in a very uh, detrimental way. Um, and, but when you eat fiber, um, it can help close up um, the leaky gut. And also, it can increase something called T regulatory cells. Um, T regulatory cells are located at the gut as well, and also throughout your whole body. Um, T regulatory cells are anti-inflammatory T cells. Uh, so if we're going to talk about um, the immune system, you always have to talk about um, your innate immune system and your um, adaptive immune system. And innate immune system is what um, kicks in immediately when you, like, let's say you step on the nail. Your innate immune system comes into, comes into play immediately to help fight off that whatever you came in contact with. Your adaptive immune system, it takes um, a couple hours um, to kick in, and it's your B cells and T cells. Your T cells, um, there's your um, inflammatory T cells, such as your T helper 1 and uh, T helper 17 cells, okay? But you have something called T regulatory cells, which are basically pretty much your um, psychologists in your immune system, your policemen. Um, your T regulatory cells um, play a huge role in your immune system. That it, basically, when you get, um, when you find off a bacteria and you don't want your immune system to go into overdrive and keep fighting off this bacteria when your bacteria is already gone, your T regulatory cells come into play and say, tells your immune system, hey, the bacteria is already gone already. Your virus is dead already. You don't need to keep fighting anymore. That's what your T regulatory cells do. But also, Inhibitory cells are very important in um, autoimmune disease um, because it helps to differentiate um, your self proteins from your um, foreign bodies. And what happens in um, autoimmune diseases is that your T regulatory cells are actually decreased in a lot of uh, in our autoimmune disease in lupus, rheumatoid arthritis, ankylosing spondylitis. Your T regulatory cells are um, decreased, and your T helper seventeen cells are increased. Your inflammatory T cells. So, um, so what we have found was that when you eat fiber, it actually increases your T regulatory cells and your, it decreases your T helper 17 cells. So you can see, you can imagine it as a seesaw. Once your T regulatory cells go up, your T helper 17 cells go down. So when you eat the fiber, it increases T regulatory cells in the gut and through the bloodstream, it actually goes into the bloodstream and generates um, anti-inflammatory cytokines or the cell signaling and basically sends um, anti-inflammatory signals throughout your whole body. And that can help decrease inflammation and potentially um, put autoimmune disease to remission or at least improve it. And that's how it works. That's so cool. I love how it all comes back to the gut microbiome. Like it's just so important right. for everything. So right. when you're telling your patients to consume a high fiber diet, do you give them a certain fiber target they should be hitting per day? Yeah. So the USDA uh, does recommend um, 25 grams um, to 38 grams of fiber per day, depending if you're male or female. Um, I believe females 25, males um, 38. Um, but I just tell them, you know what, just hit that 25. I do recommend if you can go to 50, 75, the higher the better. Um, but a lot of people can't tolerate that high amount of fiber to begin with because um, they say I'm gassy. I have a lot of abdominal pain when I eat fiber. So I tell them, you know, just eat a little bit and just gradually build up. But 25 is our goal. Only 5% of Americans do hit that mark. So I'm very, you have to be very, very easy on your patients as well. And any type of, um, fruits, vegetables, and whole grains can help patients. You don't have to be fully plant-based. You just have to be, I would say, plant-predominant. That's good would to you, know. So, I'm yeah. just curious. Would you say that the more plant-based you become, and plant, within the plant-based, there's like, obviously, it's like a spectrum, right? So the more, I'm guessing, the more plant-based you become, the more nutrients and the higher fiber, so you'll see better results? Potentially. Um, that has not been proven. Um, but theoretically, yeah, if you eat more fiber, you have more um, T regulatory cells, and then you can have more anti-inflammatory signals, and that can potentially improve the autoimmune diseases. Um, 
but you know in this nutrition space there is so much in the, all these autoimmune disease um nutrition space there's it's just not plant-based nutrition that isn't um the there's no cookie cutter um diet for all autoimmune disease patients you know there's so many intricacies to it that have not um been fully elucidated in science yet for example um patients can have potentially, you know, I hear this from my patients that they have problems with something called lectins. I don't know if you guys have heard of this. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Basically, lectins are um, carbohydrate binding proteins that are found in plants. Um, We do have the complement system for all the uh, medical students out there, residents. We do have something called the complement system in our body, which is part of the immune system as well. Uh, I'm not going to detail that, but there is the... um, the lectin, mannose binding lectins in that as well that helps fight, um, uh, that helps our immune system. But in the plant world, um, there's some called lectins in plants um, that can potentially be triggers of inflammation. Um, I don't think there's too much science backing this up right now. I've looked into this. Um, it does some, there's some data to suggest that it causes something, it, um, call, it increases something called the inflammasome or at least triggers it. Um, the inflammasome is part of your innate immune system, and um, that is actually part of the central pathogenesis of gout and pseudogout. It's called the inflammasome. Um, and adult onset disease is another one as well, um, you, which you uh, medical students will learn in the future. So um, lectins, um, there's, yeah, once again, there's not too much science to back this up, but it can potentially be a trigger for inflammation from what I hear from my patients. So that is one of the nuances of plant-based nutrition. So lectins um, can potentially be found in beans, in um, certain grains, um, and also in, um, so there's something called nightshades as well that patients can find inflammatory, um, which includes your potatoes, your um, tomatoes, your eggplants and bell peppers. And uh, I think that's caused by something in the skin potentially of these um, vegetables. We don't know why it causes um, joint pains in these patients. I I don't know why. Um, There's not too much science backing this up. I think more science will come out in the future, maybe supporting this. Um, But I would say over 90% of patients will not have problems with lectins or uh, nightshades in general. So I would not, yeah. When it comes to lectins, um, this is from my reading scientific literature on it, it uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you are soaking these grains and beans overnight and then cooking them thoroughly, then the quantity of lectins is so minimal. So mm-hmm. so w- I'm guessing like th- taking those precautions would help before you consume grains and beans and such. Correct. Yeah. You bring a great point. Um, so yeah, by soaking your beans and grains overnight, um, you can decrease the amount of lectins um, because if you eat these things raw, they could potentially be toxic. Um, so if you soak them, it decreases the amount of lectins and you cook them. Um, so that does decrease them significantly. But yeah, so, but we don't know why patients still have, some patients have problem with these. Um, but what I tell my patients is, you know what, keep eating these. They're very healthy for you. The people that live the longest in the world in the blue zones, um, they do um, eat these types of foods, so continue eating them. Um, but if you do know, say you have problems with them in the long run, then yes, decrease the amount and see how much you can tolerate them. But you do have to soak them and cook them properly. Right. Um, and I also want to go back to, you initially had talked about high protein diets and that how that can play a role in gout, which you believe it did for you. Um, so let's talk about how that even works, why high protein diets might not be good for uh, rheumatological diseases if you're predisposed to them? Yeah, so um, protein, um, at least, well, well, let's talk about red meat. Red meat can be very, very inflammatory. As you know, um, it's at least um, highly processed red meat is a huge, uh, it's a contributor to um, colon cancer. Um, It's carcinogenic. Um, Other um, meats can be as well. but inflammation-wise, it does nothing to contribute to the gut microbiome. Okay, it, at least beneficially. So if you're not, if you're eating these foods um, and they're not increasing your T-reactor cells, 
then you're really not helping with the inflammation. Um, so meat um, and meat in general, when they break it down for like, let's say for gout, when you eat any type of animal protein, it breaks down to um, uh, the end stage is the uric acid level. So it can increase your uric acid levels. Um, and basically, um, if, if you have a genetic predisposition, predisposition to it, once you hit that threshold and you do this for a long time, you could potentially trigger your um, a gout flare. Um, also, um, protein, um, um, there's something called advanced glycation end products. I don't know if you've heard of this. Mm -hmm. um, these mm -hmm. are inflammatory um, end products that um, is just coming to light over the past, I think, decade, but not too many people talk about this. And cooked meat is one of the highest um, um, foods that can generate advanced glycation end products. And these have found, found to be inflammatory in general. And they have looked at this in autoimmune diseases. I do have the articles if you're interested. And um, they have been linked to higher um, disease activity. And I think they've tried to come up with some pills to block these, but it hasn't been successful. Um, other things that protein, um, plant, I mean, uh, animal protein can trigger is something called the mTOR pathway. I don't know if you've learned this as well. Mm -hmm. um, the mTOR pathway is... Um, a pathway that is implicated in fasting. Um, so when you eat um, uh, animal protein, it um, increases the mTOR pathway, um, and that can increase your inflammatory um, cytokines. And, but if you do, when you fast, um, it decreases the mTOR pathway. And it actually, when you do this, it increases your beta-hydroxybutyrate, um, which is found during ketosis, um, when you're in ketoacidosis, um, your data hydroxybutyrate goes up and that can be anti-inflammatory. Um, that's why fasting also is beneficial for autoimmune diseases and it can decrease the amount of inflammation in the body. Uh, wow. Like animal protein comes with, like you mentioned, so many things that might not be good for you. And the, you know, it would be actually good, um, if later on when you have time, you could send us those articles and we could just put them in show notes for our listeners who do want to learn more. Um, and it's interesting how you mentioned how they're trying or they have tried to come up with pills to help with the AGEs, but isn't it better just to avoid animal protein so you don't have to take those pills to begin with if something is harmful in it? Yeah. Um, so when people replace animal protein with plant-based protein, like uh, beans and um, tempeh and all the other options, then they don't come with all the inflammatory things that you mentioned. So I'm assuming that would be beneficial for people who may be predisposed or, or are experiencing with rheumatological diseases. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah. So, um, yeah, plant protein is um, beneficial. It all comes back to the fiber, 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 and uh, also the um, phytonutrients. Um, that's something that we haven't discussed as well. Phytonutrients also play a role in the gut microbiome and also can potentially help with um, not only your T regulatory cells through the um, um, with that combination of the fiber, but also it also helps with epigenetics. Um, each of your final nutrients out there, um, such as uh, curcumin and turmeric, uh, resveratrol and grapes, um, these have been found to actually induce epigenetic changes um, that can lead to increase of T regulatory cells as well. Um, so epigenetics, just to go back to um, layman's terms is um, controlling your gene expression. So your genetic does not determine your fate. So you can actually change your gene expression through food and the environment. And I do have the articles as, on that as well um, of how different phytonutrients can um, induce epigenetic changes that can then induce anti-inflammatory changes. Um, and I did give a grand rounds talk at my hospital on this as well back in um, the winter time this year. So um, that was something that I found pretty fascinating and my colleagues did it as well. And just going on to other um, foods that are very, very important, omega-3 fatty acids are found to be anti-inflammatory as well. And um, omega-3 fatty acids are found in fish, are found in um, different um, plants. You can find chia seeds, uh, flax seeds. Um, so the research has shown that um, fish 
is anti-inflammatory in autoimmune diseases and rheumatic diseases because of their high omega-3 fatty acids levels. So what I tell my patients is if you um, want to go vegan, um, then yes, you can get your omega-3 fatty acids from um, algae-based uh, pills. Um, but if you are not vegan, then you can eat uh, if you want, you can eat fish. But the thing is, though, is that there's so many levels of autoimmune diseases that um, that patients um, become afflicted with. So some patients, you know, they really um, so for take for example, I can give one patient a medication and they'll go into remission right away. Another patient, I have to give them child them with ten medications and they finally improve. So there's different levels of autoimmune diseases. Um, some patients, you just touch them a little bit and they flare right away. Other patients, they take forever to flare. Um, so that comes back to um, the environment and nutrition as well. Some patients, they have to go completely plant-based um, and some of them have to really watch what they eat, even when they're plant-based um, or else they'll flare right away. Other patients, you know what? They can eat some fish, they can eat some meat um, and they can go paleo and they can improve. So there's varying degrees of patients with autoimmune disease, and you really have to know your patient well and um, basically play with their um, their nutrition and their medications. So wow. you mentioned fish, and I have a follow-up question in regards specifically to fish. Um, like fish, definitely high in omega-3, which they get from the microalgae, but fish, uh, at least these days, are very high in um, toxins as well as heavy metals. Right. So I, I'm curious to know those, those extra things that are not beneficial for us. Would they be adding to inflammation in our body if someone decided to get their omega-3 from fish instead of plant sources? Yeah, yeah. So that's another great question. That's something that I've um, looked into myself as well. Um, so, so, so fish, um, so there's uh, wild-caught fish and farm-raised fish. And in farm-raised fish, um, such as farm-raised animals um, as well, beef, you know, these animals, they're fish, they're fed with things that are, they're not normally meant to eat, such as um, corn, um, GMO corn as well, and other um, things that can be um, not very natural um, for them. And, you know, they, they, um, they can potentially be um, inflammatory as well, these all these random artificial foods for them. And for the wild-caught ones, you know, they're exposed to oil spills and all these different um, products in um, the environment. Uh, I believe PCBs is one of them. I do not remember what PCBs stand for, but they're, they come from like oil spills, all the pollution in the ocean. And guess what the fish are eating? They're eating that as well, or they're going through the gills and they're going to the fish and we eat those fish. So that goes into us also. And yes, you, they, um, they're, um, different fishes are higher in mercury as well. Um, so, um, yeah. So as far as whether they cause inflammation or not, that hasn't been proven yet. I can't say that. I think research still needs to come out, but so far what the research has shown is that, um, fish, is anti-inflammatory because of their omega-3 fatty acids. Um, but in general, I tell my patients, you know what? Um, you can avoid fish if you want to. If you want to eat fish, um, I'm okay with that. Um, but um, my uh, algorithm is cut out red meat and then cut out your pork and then your turkey, chicken, and then the last thing to cut out is fish. Wow. I can see why your specialty is so challenging. There's so many different like individual nuances between patients. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So going back to like rheumatoid arthritis, because this is such a common like autoimmune condition, are, are there any specific recommendations you would give to these patients first, like right off the bat in regards to their diet? Or would it just be the same, like remove the red meat and then see where it goes from there? Right. So, um, so I, I am certified from, uh, by the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. So I do go through the different pillars um, and nutrition is one of them. So I'll, I'll go to nutrition last, but, you know, I tell them you, you have to stress less. Um, stress is a, can be a potentially a huge marker of inflammation. And I've noticed that one little stressor can make a patient flare. I had a patient that um, father passed away and she flared for months. So stress is huge. Um, we're now realizing there's a, um, 
there's a gut brain access, a break, gut brain connection, and there's a you know immunology um, brain um, connection as well. There's something called psycho, uh, I think psycho neuroimmunology field now that's coming out. Um, a lot of research coming out in that field. Um, so stress, um, your emotional well-being is very important. Sleep is so important. Um, and stop smoking or using risky substances. That is um, the trigger of inflammation. Exercise is uh, anti-inflammatory as well. So I go on those. And then nutrition, yes. So when we talk about nutrition, I say, you know what? Let's cut out processed food first. That is one of the worst markers of inflammation. I mean, one of the worst foods of inflammation. Um, and then let's cut out dairy. I've noticed that some patients, they just cut out dairy and their pain goes away. So dairy and processed food. And then, so why, in the processed food. Why dairy? So you, you know what? Talk about dairy. So yeah, yeah. So, so dairy, you know what? There, I don't think there has been, I've tried to look up articles on this. There's not too many scientific articles on this and autoimmunity. Um, but one of the potential triggers is the casein protein um, that can be a, mark, a trigger of inflammation for some people. And also it does not play a beneficial role in the gut microbiome. So it all comes back to the gut microbiome. If, if such as red meat, you're not helping it um, and dairy could potentially be um, um, damaging it as well. And it could potentially cause um, increased intestinal permeability. No, good to know. Um, all right, touching back. So you mentioned avoiding dairy, avoiding processed foods. Um, what about for patients with gout? A lot of the time they're told to limit like purines in their diet and there are plant sources of purines as well. I think asparagus is one of them. Is there a difference? Like, do you find in your patients that there's a huge difference when they avoid these plant purines versus avoiding like the animal purines and alcohol? Yeah, so 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 um, there's actually uh, new data that came out um, a couple years ago or maybe a decade ago. I don't remember um, which year it was, but basically what they have found is that um, the breakdown. So purine is uh, one of the end products that can um, increase uric acid, and that could be a trigger of gout. And what they have found that animal protein does increase purines, but plant protein does not. So um, that's something I don't know if you've learned in medical school yet. Uh, I don't. I haven't. I think it was mentioned, but it wasn't something given much importance, to be honest. Because um, med school lags sort of in uh, Mm. updated nutrition, updated science in general, medical science. So you guys lag a couple years behind. Um, So, um, yeah. So what they have found is that plant um, protein does not increase purine. So one of the major um, journals, I think it was the Journal of Clinical Rheumatology, came out last year um, talking about phytonutrients. Um, we're saying that um, actual phytonutrients actually decrease um, the inflammation. Yeah, actually can help decrease uric acid levels in gout. Um, so they do encourage um, fruits and vegetables. Um, there was a very, very nice diagram there. And um, plant proteins do um, increase appearance and then the uric acid level but what the guidelines do show was that diet does not play a huge role in decreasing um uric acid levels we do need the medications to decrease the uric acid level at a significant um portion proportion and rate all right okay (laughs) well that's good that's good to know i'm glad there's new research coming out on this because like so many times patients are like they are told to avoid spinach and all these like other healthy foods and yeah, I'm glad yeah, you touched on I, that. I do not tell my patients. To, I would say eat their beans, eat their uh, quinoa, their um, flaxseed, chia seeds, their grapes, everything. Um, yeah, so so keep eating those types of foods, eat your spices. I was actually doing um, research this year. Um, I was running a double-blind randomized control trial on um, curcumin and turmeric supplements and um, lupus. Um, there's been over 6,000 studies on um, turmeric alone on different diseases and different um, autoimmune disease and, you know, and different arthritis. And there's been data come out that, you know, it's anti-inflammatory and it can potentially help with inflammation. So I was running that trial with lupus. Unfortunately, COVID-19 cut it short. So I was able to complete that. <laughs> um, but it's, it's promising um, with all these um, plants. Um, um, plant sources of uh, food. 
Yeah, well, that's frustrating. Your trial got cut short. Hopefully, you can resume it in the near future. Here. Hopefully, hopefully, my program will. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we were actually going to ask about turmeric, and and also, are there any like specific foods foods people should be striving to add to their diet? Yeah. So in general, I would say if you're not um, blood thinners or anything that, um, if you because um, turmeric is um, just thin the blood out a little bit. So um, that's a great source of anti-inflammation. Um, ginger grapes and uh, resveratrol and grapes is another one. I would say all fruits and vegetables, just eat the rainbow. Um, each one contains something special. So eat them all. <laughs> Don't focus on them. Um, chia seeds, flax seeds for um, omega-3s for the fi high fiber content as well. Um, quinoa, all these, I, I would say don't limit yourself, just eat everything. <laughs> I, I, I don't um, tell my patients just to eat one thing. I would say focus on everything. Um, vitamin D is also very important, so take your vitamin D supplement as well. That's, no, that's good. That's really good. Okay, um, to end off, I think this would be good. So if someone comes to you and they're like, just tell me the most optimal diet, like, you know, I don't want to take the steps. I want to go all the way. What's the most optimal diet so I can prevent rheumatological disease? Or if I already have it, do my best to treat and reverse it with diet. Mm -hmm. So I would say um, either a whole food plant-based diet or a plant-predominant diet is um, one of the key ways to prevent not only rheumatologic disease, but um, disease in general, because you are increasing the amount of fiber when you eat these things. When you're eating a regular diet, standard American diet, your fiber level is um, decreased because you're putting all this other food in your stomach. You don't have space for all the um, vegetables and other foods. So if you eat a plant-predominant diet or a um, plant-based diet, then every meal you're getting some type of fiber and some type of phytonutrient in. And, you know, data has shown that the higher amount of fiber you eat, the decreased incidence of obesity, metabolic syndrome, and also decreased incidence of C-reactive protein, um, which is a marker of inflammation. Wow. You've shared so much incredible information with us today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Before we uh, end the episode, we always like to ask our guests three questions. So we'll just start with the first one here. What mm -hmm. is your favorite plant-based meal? Oh, my favorite plant-based meal Oh, there's so many. Um, I do like Chinese vegetables a lot. So um, bok choy, um, Chinese broccoli. Um, what else is there? I like Buddha bowls. Um, I'm not a great cook, but my wife is. So I do like it when she cooks um, plant-based meals. I love quinoa as a base um, or brown rice or black rice. Um, and adding um, spinach on there. Um, some sauce, I like sriracha, um, but usually my go-to soup, which my wife is very sick of, is um, I use a miso soup base and I add spinach in there. I use I add bok choy tofu. I add um, maybe some carrots. Um, what else do I add in there? Um, I haven't cooked in a while because my wife is so sick of it because when I say I'm cooking soup, she knows exactly what I'm cooking. Um, I do add some turmeric. In, oh, yeah, I like adding turmeric in my, um, my quinoa stuff just to um, give it some um, anti-inflammatory um, spices in there as well. Um, yeah, what else is there? Um, I don't know that my, actually, my go-to fruits are watermelon. I can eat a whole watermelon in probably one or two sittings. Um, mango, I can eat like six oranges in a day, seven oranges. So um, it's just mixed. I mean, I have so many favorites out there. I can't come That's up with one. Completely <laughs> fair. <laughs> okay, second question. Uh, what's one kitchen item you couldn't live without? Ooh, one kitchen item I couldn't live without. Um, what do we use every day? I'm trying to think here. Um, oh, blender. I can't live without my blender. Yeah. Not yeah. only for the green smoothies, just for blending different things. <laughs> That's a common answer. Yeah. All right. Final question here. What is one last piece of advice or takeaway that you would like to leave for our listeners? Um, one take one, uh, key takeaway is, um, it's not only about nutrition. It's also about, um, the environment, um, your stress levels, your sleep, um, do you smoke? Do you exercise? All these things play a role. Just because you're eating a great diet doesn't mean all those factors can be um, ignored. You can still get 
disease. So it will minimize disease um, if you do all these factors right, but you still get disease um, even if you do everything right. Um, you've heard of people that um, have smoked their whole life, have done everything wrong, but they never get lung cancer and they live so long and other people have been so careful their whole life and they still end up with cancer um, at a younger age. So, you know, genetics do play a huge role. Um, you can't minimize genetics. So I would say um, try your best to do all these factors right and to minimize your risk of disease and live a long life. Um, that's all our end goal, to live a long life, a successful, fulfilling life. That's great. So if our listeners would like to reach out and connect with you, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at my autoimmune MD. That's M-Y autoimmune MD. Um, I am coming up with my website soon um, at Micah UMD. And I am the director of rheumatology at our new clinic in uh, Newport Beach, California, Institute of Plant-Based Medicine. So if you do want to see me um, as your doctor, you can um, go onto our website, iopbm.com. Um, the website's going to come out soon. Um, hopefully, we're, we, we are a multi-specialty clinic um, that includes... Um, at the base in Newport Beach, um, cardiology, gastroenterology, um, family medicine, and I, I, rheumatology and dietetics. And we're going to be a telemedicine practice as well. So I will be able to see patients all over the United States. And I can talk to you if you're in Canada and other countries as well. That's so great. We'll definitely be adding all everything you mentioned in our show notes. And if you're able to link us with the articles you mentioned, we can also add them to the show notes so people can go and learn more about all this. So thank you so much, Micah, for being on here. We learned so much and I think our listeners are going to as well. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. You know, you guys are doing a wonderful job. Um, please keep up the great work. I'm looking forward to what your career holds. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the Plant Prescription Podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it, and hopefully this inspires you to take steps towards making changes so you live a longer, happier, and healthier life. You can also follow us on Instagram, where we share nutrition, health, and fitness content, along with recipes. Our Instagram handles can be found in the description of this episode. Please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss on any upcoming episodes. If you enjoyed this, We would love it if you left us a positive review and a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Please also make sure to share this with any family or friends who may benefit. Thank you so much for listening. Also, be sure to eat plenty of plants and see you next week.